Flight attendants, please prepare for takeoff. Wheeler, Cycle, Line A, scores! I don't believe my eyes. Wheeler gets a hat trick. Oh my goodness. It's another. Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets, hosted by Jets TV. It is the Thursday of the uh, National Hockey League Draft Week. Draft has not occurred yet. Uh, Jamie Thomas alongside Mitchell Clinton for this edition of Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets. Some stuff has gone on today. Uh, We've had some conversations with some important high-ranking people within the Winnipeg Jets organization. Uh, Spent some time on a yacht today with Young Moss. Must Uh, be nice. (laughs) Yes, while you were hunkering (laughs) over a hot computer inside, we were outside on a yacht. So, uh, of course, uh, we went one-on-one with uh, Jets general manager Kevin Shoveldayoff and uh, director of amateur scouting uh, Mark Hillier. Your conversation with Mark. Uh, this is his fourth year, I believe, as the yeah, director you know, of amateur scouting. My memory as I get older is starting to get dicier and dicier. Just ask my wife when she gives me yeah. a grocery list. She needs to remind me constantly of what was on said list. Uh, but I believe it was 2015 was the first time that uh, Mark Hillier took over the, the director role. And, um, yeah, just having a conversation with him today just about, you know, what – what kind of this last week has been like, especially given the fact that, you know, you're you're always doing your due diligence on picks. That's just normal for every scouting staff. But I, c- I can only imagine that that kind of changes when all of a sudden this trade happens and now, boom, instead of 51st being your first pick of the draft, now it's 20th. You're looking at an entirely different group of players. So he said, yeah, you know, maybe you do some, some tweaks of, of the list based on, you know, things you've, seen and heard uh, at Combine during interviews, uh, maybe any sort of last-minute interviews that you do during the week, kind of leading up to the draft, but except for the most part, that that list is kind of set, but he does believe that just given the depth of this draft, there's a very good chance that the Jets are going to have someone ranked 15th, Mm -hmm. and they're going to get them at 20, and they're going to be ecstatic over it, but he said, that's probably going to be the same for a lot of teams, because as Kevin Chivaldeff alluded to to you, once you get past that Chicago Blackhawks pick at three, like it's going to be nuts. Yeah, we've heard uh, consistently throughout this week and leading up to the draft that the draft truly begins at number three because no one's quite sure what Chicago's going to do right. uh, after, of course, Jack Hughes and Capo Caco come off the board to the uh, Devils and Rangers, whatever order those two decide or those two teams decide to uh, select those players in. Uh, speaking with Kevin Shoveldayoff today, too, uh, he had told, told me today that speaking with the scouts after they traded the first round pick to the New York Rangers for Kevin Hayes that he said don't sit there and think that you know we're not going to try and get some of these we're not only going to have four picks of the draft that's right. just not that's not the way they was that worked out and clearly uh, the Jacob Truba deal brought back that first round pick and uh, here they are talking about what they're going to do with the 20th overall selection now it's all over the place we've talked to numerous draft gurus about these types yeah. of things and who the Jets are going to pick and uh, it sounds like there's many options because of how deep this draft is yeah and it's interesting because you read a bunch of these mock drafts, whether mm-hmm. it's from NHL.com folks or people like you know TSN's Bob McKenzie doing his final rankings. He always says it's never really team-specific. He just does the ranking himself. But every time you kind of get to 20, the name is always different. Mm-hmm. And that just goes to show just the, the vast amount of talent that there is in this heading into this 2019 draft that starts tomorrow. And 
what's intriguing to me is, of course, you got all the, the regular guys that are about 18, but then you got a guy like Brett Leeson out of the, uh, the Prince Albert Raiders who's 20, mm-hmm. but just had an absolutely phenomenal year and, and is now you know, on the radar of a bunch of teams. So there's a whole lot of things that can, that can happen beginning uh, when the draft starts on Friday, and I really can't wait. One of the funner parts of, of being at the National Hockey League draft is when they bring out the top prospects. Uh, they, they skated with some kids this morning. We missed that one because we were at the uh, Mark Hillier slash Kevin Day off uh, conversations. But uh, we did get to catch up with uh, 10 of the top prospects, uh, again, on a yacht uh, in the marina in Vancouver, which... Like, not bad, not bad. My kid would say I'm bragging, but it's not really. It's just telling people <laughs> what we're fact. doing. Sometimes you just like to tell people what you're doing a little bit more than other times. Um, a lot of media on the boat, a lot of digital media uh, on that boat for the top uh, 10 prospects. Of course, uh, Capo Caco and Jack Hughes uh, uh, garnering a lot of the attention. Uh, did not get a chance to speak with Jack Hughes, but did speak with Capo Caco. And uh, his English is coming along. Coming along. Yeah. I heard uh, speaking with Manny P. Sammy Hoffren, who uh, covers the National Hockey League for Finland, or NHL.com for Finland. Um, he said that he has improved immeasurably since the uh, World Junior Hockey Championships were here in Vancouver and mm-hmm. Victoria. Said that he wasn't speaking English at all. So I can never fault anybody that's learning another language because yeah. I mean I took I think I took basic French from grade like three or four until about grade seven. Yep. And my, my marks are okay in it, but you could you couldn't ask me to do anything conversational in French now. So anybody that's learning any other language is always uh, incredible to me. Well, we can say I can tell you my name is Jamie in French. Je m'appelle. There we yeah, go. Yeah, that's nice. the only one. Very good. As far as going bonjour and stuff like that. <laughs> but, and uh, so that's what I remember from all the way to grade six. So Capo Caco played in Finland this year. So the need to learn English necessarily right. isn't there. So to give him full marks, I, he looked over at his, I'm not sure, his interpreter, I think, a couple of times during the scrum, and he wasn't sure what the questions were being asked. A couple of things we did pick up on, and I did not know about him. Uh, he's diabetic, and he has oh, celiac wow. disease. So he has Interesting. quite a, a hurdles that he's had to overcome mm-hmm. so far with him. But on top of that, uh, him and Patrick Laine share the same agent, which is Mike Lee. Uh, Laine trains with him in the offseason and also said to us, uh, Jets TV, uh, during the hockey season, he feels that Capocacco should go number one. And that right. is like a consensus through a lot of the Finnish-born mm-hmm. players in the National Hockey League in, in, in big support. And speaking with Chris Peters of ESPN today, said very similar situations. Patrick Lane made a, a, a charge towards the end of, right before the 2016 draft, to try and put some space between himself and yeah. uh, a clear the, a close the gap between himself and Austin Matthews and very similar Capocacco with Jack Hughes. So yeah. uh, these two drafts very similar that way. And uh, he's... Uh, the only really thing that uh, Kako told me when I asked him about Patrick Lenny's support is like he wanted to go number one, as do I. Yeah, so there you go. it's that similar that that similar challenge. And again, speaking with some Finnish reporters today, they said there's nobody like Patrick Lenny. He says that he's a, a man amongst himself. Uh, <laughs> his personality is unique. Uh, Capo Kako very quiet and reserved. That is certainly not the yeah. case of the uh, sniper of the Winnipeg Jets. Well, and yeah, you could you could completely see it uh, during the the couple of games in Helsinki, or even over the course of the week that we were there uh, back in November, well, late October into November. But uh, you could just see. I mean, they had the the practice that was there, the fans that were just hanging over the oh. uh, the tunnel, heading back to the dressing room. Just pretty much anything Patrick Laine did over the course of that week, anything he touched turned to gold, and that included the puck on the ice when he got the hat trick and, and whatnot. So obviously uh, a lot of support for Kako in, in Finland as there is for Laine.
Uh, coming to you from just outside the general manager's meetings here in Vancouver. Of course, a lot more to come on that uh, as the day progresses. But uh, the reason why we're here with this podcast is, is our continuing series uh, with some of the amateur scouts from the Winnipeg Jets today. It's Brian Renfrew. Uh, here's our chat with Brian. Shop where the players shop. Jets Gear and TrueNorthShop.com are your authentic team stores. Make sure to stock up on all your favorite Winnipeg Jets and Manitoba Moose merchandise today. Visit one of the five Jets Gear locations or shop online at TrueNorthShop.com. This is Kyle Connor. You're listening to Ground Control, the official podcast of the Jets. Long meetings, long days, long year. Brian, um, just knowing what you know now about scouting, what got you set up into it and this is exactly does this what you expected to be when you first got started into it yeah i mean it's been a it's been a process but i was uh, my history is i was a college coach for 13 years in ncaa in the states so when you're a college coach you wear lots of hats Mm -hmm. you know and it's kind of transpired into similar to this except maybe not the recruiting component but as far as the evaluation uh, it's very similar similar to at least on the college side you're building a roster here you're a part of that process, mm-hmm. obviously, filling the roles, but um, it's grown into understanding how the list works. And part of the part of the draft meetings too, as a scout, is figuring out your passion of a player and how to work your work the players you're passionate for into the list. So you get a kick at the can to try to get the guys you're passionate about. Do you miss co- coaching before we go into the scouting uh, part of things? Uh, there's certain things for yeah. sure. I mean, the, the fire has to still burn a little. Oh bit, yeah, it? yeah, but 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 also when you you know I always found in the scouting and coaching as far as recruiting, I always felt the harder you work, the luckier you got with the kind of players you got. Mm-hmm. So that that comes with the passion. But I always you live and die with every win of the Jets. So that side of it, the one thing I do miss is the day to day contact with the players. You missed that. You, mm-hmm. you missed, uh, at the level I was coaching, the influence you have on kids' lives. So, I mean, I still have kids that I was a part of that I'm still in contact with, my family, my kids, guys I coached in college, and, and I miss that side of it. So, But in saying that, obviously the success of the Jets, that's been, that, that helps bridge that gap, and that's a good thing. Talking relationships with the players must be something that you enjoy. So when you go and watch players and talk with them afterwards, that must be a big bonus for you. Yeah, and I, I mean, I like to get to know him. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, especially if you're going to stick your neck out on a guy and then you, you're going to fight for him in the room, you want to know what you're getting. You know, part of I've always felt with guys that I'm passionate about, you want to build your case. You want to build your case for why you can get everybody in the room to support you with that player, and that's, that's, that's kind of how I go about business. But the more legwork you do off the ice as far as character and, and you know, everybody's maturity level's different and you're looking at the body types, and that's all part of it. That's all part of when I kind of, the, as far as the harder you work, the more lucky you get, you could say. Right, and when, based on character now too, does character or bad character outweigh talent sometimes in some essences? Well, for me, I think you're outweighing the good and the bad mm-hmm. at, at where, what part of the draft you're talking. You know, like maybe are you swinging for the fences mid-round? Maybe there's, you know, some things off the ice that you're not totally gung-ho on, but that, that also can change, you know. Like I've always felt in the locker room when you're building the locker room, you can't have, a you know, 25 choir boys either. No. you got to, you know, having some of the little dirt on the wheel, that's okay. It just yeah. depends on what the dirt is. So, you know, I, I, I'm, I am fortunate that I'm, I'm based in Michigan. I'm close to, the, you know, the, the team there in Plymouth. So I, I'm in some of those kids and the parents I've been a part of are around for so long, you know, and I think that's been helpful with the contacts and whatnot for us. 
What a player! What player kind of stands out to you that you kind of got a good look at first before the drafting process, and and, and are proud of today? Well, and again, I've I've all, I, I think it's always a group. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, I'm getting to the same thing. Yeah, so, yeah. We're, we're a group. Everyone, yeah. you know, everyone. But as far as kids that I've known, when I say no one, I mean I, you know, the Kyle Connor, the cop, the Truba, you know, even Helly. I saw him play high school hockey. I mean, I've seen these guys when they were 14, 15 years old. So I. I know the book now. Am I totally responsible? Or absolutely not. It's a right. total. It's total. Total group effort. So, when you see them, you still must be proud, though. Like an Andrew Kopp is such a has, has developed in front of our eyes in some essences in the last four years and changed to become. He's shown how much he can play the wing. He can play center. You play in a lot up and down the lineup. That kind of player. Must yeah, be. like I, I remember watching play football. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I've known I've, I've known the dad. The dad coached minor hockey in the state of Michigan for a long time. So I, I, I got to know the dad, you know, when I was a college coach because I coached at Michigan State. So I was around the dad a lot. So I saw him and even Jacob Truba. I mean, I was recruiting you know those kids off that I gotta think I think they were 14 U14 I mean the amount of players that were on their U14 team that are playing in the NHL right now is mind but oh it's like there was 10 guys on it I used to I probably watched them 40 times one year you know between the summer and not so I just knew the book I felt comfortable with them and then it's part of it is building your case in the room for why we should draft this player you know, and I guess one thing with 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 Cop is, is at least th- just my opinion. He's continued to get better while he's here. Yeah. You know, and we, I felt strongly enough to, to to fight for him. And then I obviously there's lots of guys that got used up and felt like that, but he's continued to improve, which has been nice to see. Before I get into conversations in the room, I I want to know is Andrew Cop's arm as good as everyone tells me it is? Yeah. Uh, he can snap the ball pretty good. Yes. We, we saw him with the Bombers the other day, but I know before the injury, he was he was pretty. Yeah. yeah. Well, like like when I first started watching him, and and again I knew Cup. I, I recruited him to play college hockey so I knew before he even started working for the Jets I was working on him to rep- before he committed to Michigan I was trying to you know I tried to get him to come here and he hadn't decided if he was going to be a hockey player or a football player so that's that's the interesting thing about him I mean he didn't decide really to full-time be a hockey player until he would have been in going into or it would have been in the end of his grade 11 year in high school so he was 16 years old turn maybe 17 turning 17. You always hear now that parents are specializing too early with their kids is that is that a problem right now are you still seeing lots of kids with multiple options at the college level and south of the border yeah i I mean it's a case-by-case basis Mm -hmm. i'm going through i have a 2003 nephew that i'm originally from alaska but i moved down to play you know hockey in the states and that's where i've got roots now but my nephew is still from lives in alaska but actually moved down to play hockey in the states and he's listed by I, i believe he's listed by kamloops you know, but and he's kind of trying to decide if he's going to play college hockey or look that probably lean more towards the college hockey thing. But, you know, he got done with his hockey season this year. And I talked my older brother in because it's not my son is he went back home to play baseball. Right. You know, and it might be his last chance to do that. I don't I think it's it never hurts to take a break, whether it's six weeks. Now, don't forget the baseball season in Alaska is about six weeks long because of the season. But he went back home to play baseball. And I think it's great. I think it's great what kids should do. Going back to the conversation in the room and stating your case for somebody, how long did it take to you to figure out not to take things personally when someone's not really listening to your case about a, a, certain, a certain player? Well, I, I mean, again, we all see, like, we all watch players. We all see different things. And, I mean, I, I hope it's one of my strengths. The one thing I try to do is I try to listen. you, know, you got to be a good listener. 
you know, and I hope other guys are listening. But in the end of the day, it's a group case, and you win some, you lose some. And it's also a group effort. You know, when you're sitting there and you're working at your list, you want everybody that's on that table to feel valued and, and who they're passionate about, not passionate about. So you, I think we all got to be good listeners. What's your favorite part? The work going up to the draft, the scouting meetings, or the draft itself? Well, Or is it just the process itself? I, I like the process. I like to see it out. It's always exciting to be at the draft and kind of see guys where they went, even when it's other teams. Because I, think, I, think, I, I don't think you can be, you can't go into it being afraid to be wrong. You know, but you always can learn from where a player, you know, maybe another team saw value in a player and you didn't value as much. I think there's lots of self-reflection in this business, you know, and you never stop learning. Um, but but, but I, for me, it would be the whole process, the whole thing. And obviously, the last year was a little different case because we didn't have a first-round pick. So that was a little different to sit there on your hands and watch. I was sitting there, man. It was oh, my yeah, first draft. I was like, this is not what everybody told me was. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You so see, for you guys to do all that work, yeah, it must you be see, yeah. Well, there goes another good player, and there goes another good player. So... You know, so the, the, at least we've gone through that once. Mm-hmm. Now, whatever happens here before this draft, it never stops. You never know what comes down the road for you. So you still have to put your work in, you know, and be prepared. But I, I really like the whole process of it. I like the idea of building the process and, and seeing players that you've been a part of the process or, you know, make it to the American League and develop and then make your roster down the road. Appreciate the time. And thanks for taking part out of the process and spending time some, some time with us. Yeah, no problem. It was great. Thank you. Feeling generous, as we always are in the final segment of this podcast, uh, go to jetsrewards.ca, type in the code word BREAKAWAY, and you have 50 Jets rewards just for listening to Mitch and I uh, go on and on about the uh, National Hockey League draft this week. So we're glad to give that to you. Many thanks to Brian Renfrew, uh, one of the Jets amateur scouts. Uh, really nice to hear his story. And yeah. uh, used to be a f- former coach. Uh, was a big part of the recruiting process in the NCAA, so that's very similar to what you have to do in the National Hockey League, talking to a lot of parents, so it almost seems like scouting has become a natural fit for him in his life. Completely, and I mean, it's I really enjoyed uh, this four-part series because as much as, you know, the Winnipeg Jets get a lot of credit for their ability to draft or find guys late in rounds or uh, late in the first round, I mean, you look at Kyle Connor, Jack Rostovic, whoever it may be, you don't often get to hear the stories of the scouts, and mm-hmm. it's always crazy to kind of hear the different paths that they all took. But the one thing that's the same with with all of them is just their their intense passion for what they do. And I mean, Mark Hillier told me all their full time scouts heading into this draft watched over 200 hockey games this year. So like, that, it takes so much commitment, and these guys put that put that work in uh, every day. Well, uh, as we mentioned earlier in, in this uh, podcast, that this is the general managers' meetings. Uh, some news. Hopefully coming out of this, there could be some real changes coming up, but we'll bring that to you here. Just uh, make sure you stay tuned to WinnipegJets.com. On top of that, uh, tomorrow morning I'll release our one-on-one with uh, Chris Peters, ESPN draft guru. Uh, Patrick Lani said Capocacco is a Finnish Austin Matthews. Mm. So I asked if that was a what, if that's accurate. You'll hear Chris's answer tomorrow, very interesting, and he talks about the difference between the 2016 and 2019 drafts, Uh, so lots of that that coming from that conversation as we uh, continue our draft coverage here from Vancouver. So on behalf of Mitchell Clinton, I'm Jamie Thomas. Thanks once again for listening to Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets. This is Big Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets, hosted by Jets TV. For Jets news, videos, and more, head to winnipegjets.com. 